Hey, hey, before we get started today, I just wanted to give a little heads up. Uh, because of the coronavirus, and this is the only time you'll hear about that during this episode, we've decided to stop recording in person for a little bit. And so what that means is what you're about to hear is the result of a Skype call we had. So the audio quality may be a little rough. I've cleaned it up as much as I can, and I think it's pretty good and definitely very listenable. But if you hear us drop out every once in a while because of internet complications or whatever, we've all been doing tons of Skype calls before. You've been seeing them on the news. You've been seeing them on all the like nightly talk shows and everything like that. So please bear with us uh, into the future just a little bit while we're figuring this out and figuring the best way to do this. I think this is a great episode. We're trying out something new, but I mean, you can hear about that all in a second. Anyway, I know you're missing out on that super sweet theme music we have. Uh, if you're curious, the song we use as our opener and just basically our music everywhere is a song called Too Cool by Kevin MacLeod. It was recorded in 2016 and uh, I don't know, we love it. Anyway, uh, enjoy the episode and uh, I'll see you on the other side of Too Cool. Bye. Welcome to Be the Dead Source, your home for anti-social distancing. My name's Nathan, your most recording in his bedroom for the first time host. My name is Andy, your most cinematically thrilled host. I'm Pat, I'm your most casually dressed host, and we have a special guest today. Woo! We have a guest, Angela. Who is a uh, a friend of mine going all the way back to elementary school? We've known each other for what did that be like thirty some twenty five to thirty years now, and yeah, yeah. Um, she's living down south in the delightfully like purely wonderfully horribly racist part of the south. <laughs> Absolutely. Which I'm sure we're going to hear something about at some yeah. point today. Um, <laughs> Angela, having been friends for a long, long time, all through high school, we grew up together and stuff. Uh, you know, keeping track of her Facebook <laughs> has let me know that she has lots of lots of thoughts and opinions, and so she's here to share some with us tonight on a, a today on a very special episode. Oh, so she's like you, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Although I think, opinions are different than on- mine. <laughs> Based on that intro, she's gonna fit right in. Oh yeah. Well, welcome, welcome, Angela. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. Hi, Angela. So, well, um, sh- let's let's do our normal little intro. How's everybody's week? Uh, everybody been getting out, socializing, uh, hit some concerts, go oh, some yeah. movies. Anybody? Bars and <laughs> restaurants. Like a few doorknobs. <laughs> Lots of movies <laughs> just at home. I'm looking- Everything at the store. Sure, you know, sure. All that good stuff. Been <laughs> hiking. That's your new hobby. You know. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Georgia's got a lot of nice spots for it. So, you know, got the kids all in my face. So why not? <laughs> well, and it, it's a little annoying here because it's been kind of cold. Like, I would love right. some. We had like one 60 degree day and we got out and did some walking. But it's been like in the 30s. And just like we'll we'll bundle up a little bit of walking just to get out of the house, but it's not great. I mean, our slap in the face was as soon as this all hit. 
it hit about 75 degrees and it's been absolutely beautiful ever since. <laughs> See, mm-hmm. but that's good. Like you can still like, I think it's really easy to socially distance outside. Like, especially if you go to a park or something like that, and just hang out with your family or whatever. I mean, it still sucks, but I mean, essentially in a small town, like where I live, uh, we kind of have three activities. That's beer and uh, for some people doing drugs and for the rest of us, it's karaoke and we can't <laughs> do any of those things. So, you know, we're See, just I think just pull, pull some speakers out on your <laughs> pull some speakers out on your porch to start singing for other people. Have you guys seen any of the videos from Italy where musicians are pulling out their pianos or other instruments out onto their balconies and singing to each other in their neighborhoods while they're stuck inside their houses? That's I, I haven't seen that. I've heard of it, but that's really cool. Probably yeah, the it's... coolest thing so far. So what have you guys been up to for your for your week of isolation? Um, well, been... I'm a homeschool mom now, so, you know, um, adjusting to that has been, I don't, I don't even know the words to describe what I'm going through. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me know if you need any help with that. I, I have a lot of educational experience. Ironically, I'm actually a special ed parapro, so you would think oh, there you that go. I would be right in my element, but um, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> well, your your kids aren't, I don't believe, are they special ed? I do have one special ed child, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. But and you she's got great. what, five total? I have four children. I have four. a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, and an 8-year-old. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, that's, I think that's a good range. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy who doesn't have those kids. I have, right. I have two grown-ass stepsons, and it's delightful because I have a good relationship with both of them. Uh, but it's, it's not like, uh, an in your face thing all the time. I've been texting with my one stepson, uh, who lives close to me, but doesn't live with us anymore. So he's been, he's been making fried chicken and biscuits. Mm. I want to make fried chicken and biscuits. That sounds amazing, Uh, right? Yes. Well, I've been, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of cooking at home. I've been like baking bread and, um, I've been trying to like, actually like I made a strawberry, uh, candied pecan, uh, salad with like homemade dressing last night. Like I've been trying, uh, oh man, I've, I've been trying to at least make the food we're eating while we're stuck at home be worth eating, if that makes sense. No, definitely. It gives you that thrill like you've eaten out. Right. And you know what I love is I love, you know, all those gift recipes that pop up on your Facebook feed or your like on like Reddit or whatever, the little like videos of people making food. I will save those and like try and emulate them later or at least pull like pieces out of them. And so get the recipe and stuff. Right. I think we're doing lasagna That'd be really cool. Blog it. Take pictures. <laughs> there you go. Um, cool. Well, um, I I think this has been delightful. Um, but I want to talk about our episode this week because it's a little bit of a different format uh, than what we've uh, what we've done in the past. And of course, we have Angela here, so that's going to change things up a little bit. But here's the format: we are going to talk about anything but the thing that is 
taken over all of our lives right now. We're not going to be talking about that thing whose name I shall not mention from this point forward. We have all come to the table with a few different topics. And what we're going to do is we're going to go around. Someone is going to announce a topic. And then they, we have seven minutes to talk about it. And then as soon as that seven minutes is up, boom, we're done. Pencils down. Nobody gets to talk about it anymore. We move on to our next topic. So you're going to hear a lot of different opinions on a lot of different things. And we thought that is why Angela was perfect as a guest to bring in <laughs> on this episode. Ooh, ooh, can we can we call this episode the lightning round? Ooh, I like it. Although I just want an episode the, called the lightning round. Very, very slow lightning. <laughs> seven minute lightning. I was I was thinking of calling it seven minutes in heaven, uh, but we can do that. That's that's different. Uh, what is it? I didn't uh, I didn't realize there was any connotations with that. It's a party game. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, oh, okay. it's just yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We so, call it we call it the lightning round. Bottled lightning. That's, that's pretty good. All right. Well, Andy, I think you're the baby of the group. Do you want to uh Yeah, sure. And just to like get some nuts and bolts stuff out of the way, Pat, you're going to be uh timing us and you have to like hard cut us off. Like if we're in the middle of a sentence, doesn't matter. Done right. at 7 minutes, okay? All right. Let me know awesome. when to start. Do we start? Well, as, soon as, as soon as Andy announces his first topic. All right. Do you want him to start the time after I just say, like, what the topic, the name of the topic? Or do you want me to give my little, my quick intro description no, to it? No, your quick intro description is part of the seven minutes, okay. bud. So cool. uh, brevity is the something of something. The soul of wit? Well, that doesn't really apply sure. here, does no, it? No, it doesn't. That was really a bad analogy that you just made all by yourself, Andy. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. All right, seven minutes, and go. And your topic so, is... Topic is go. India's immigration reform. Ooh. All right, we're Ooh. rolling. All right, so India's uh, Hindu Nationalist Party, the uh, Bharatiya Janata Party, or the BJP, um, is which, by the way, is the, the largest party in the world political party in the world twice as large as the chinese uh communist party so it has amended a 64 year old law that provides a clear path for former illegally immigrated religious minorities to become citizens uh but it has a very controversial exception for muslims so this hmm. party is the vast majority of india but India has traditionally been a secularist country, but this huge majority of Hindus seem they kind of want to make they don't necessarily want it to be a secularist country anymore. It's a huge majority of the country. Do they have that right? Is that okay for them to say no? We don't want these people there if that's what <laughs> the people of the country want to do. So let me let me get this straight. They're not. They're not allowing new Muslims to immigrate. What it's doing is changing the rules for what, uh, for how an immigrant becomes a citizen. So, one, of, for example, it shortens the amount of time you have to live in India from 12 years to six years. Um, and if and I it, remember, can I just throw in real quick? I think I remember from this story that not only, so the idea was that they stripped everybody of their citizenship. 
everybody lost their citizenship, and you can gain it again. You just have to show proof of where you came from, that you're an Indian citizen, and they made that insanely difficult slash impossible for Muslims to do. Back check, back check, back check. And welcome back to what I'm sure is going to be the first of many fact checks in this episode. I apologize, Melanie, if this interrupts your sleep. According to Al Jazeera, India has passed a law that grants citizenship to religious minorities except Muslims from neighboring countries with legal experts saying it violates the country's secular constitution. The new citizenship law, which was an amendment to a 1955 legislation, allows Indian citizenship to, quote, persecuted minorities, Hindus, Sikhs, Buddhists, Jains, Parsis, and Christians from Bangladesh, Afghanistan, and Pakistan make no reference to Muslims. In November of 2019, Home Minister Amit Shah announced that the country will begin the exercise of counting all its citizens to weed out undocumented immigrants from neighboring countries. Shah has in the past called Bangladeshi immigrants termites and infiltrators and a threat to national security. According to Sanjay Jha, spokesperson of the main opposition Congress party, the law is, quote, part of a deeper, divisive BJP political strategy to polarize India. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. So that that was what I remember from it. I can always throw in a fact check here, but this episode isn't about facts; it's about feelings. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, yeah, so, no, I'll be throwing in fact checks throughout. So the bill says um, it defines illegal immigrants as foreigners who enter India without a valid passport or travel documents, or stay beyond the permitted time. Illegal immigrants can be deported or jailed. The new bill also amends a provision which says a person must have lived in India or worked for the federal government for at least 11 years before they can apply for citizenship. Uh, now, there will be an exception for members of six religious minority communities, Hindu, Sikh, Buddhist, uh, Jain, Parsi, and Christian, if they can prove that they are from Pakistan, Afghanistan, or Bangladesh. They will only have to live or work in India for six years to be eligible for citizenship by naturalization. The process by which a non-citizen acquires the citizenship or nationality of that country. And from what, I, from what I understand, it is almost impossible for people from those backgrounds to get access to those documents. They either don't exist or they're like unable to access them. Well, Especially so, for those who are Muslim. Right. Correct. So <laughs> just to I'm start catching. off, I mean, I'm not in charge of the government in India I don't you know pretend that I am so to a certain extent I mean I can have opinions on it but it's not you know the way that they run their ship it's not really uh you know I can I can say that's good or that's bad but I I can't really affect a lot of change in that understood right yeah we're not asking you to run for prime minister of India I can say I'm against racism and this seems to be pretty yeah. clearly racism. Is it racism or is it a anti-Muslim? Muslim isn't a race; it's a religion. Yeah, that's right. a stupid right. argument. Well, no, I'm just. Well. It's Fair more enough. of being bigots in general, just choosing to not like someone because of something that you feel like makes them lesser than you. And I feel like they 
I mean, everyone targets Muslims. That's just what they do. The whole world at this point feels like Muslims are this huge terror organization that are out to kill us all. And I feel like at this point, just continuing to not say anything about the entire world just going against them is awful. Like, it's not an entire religion that are making terrorist acts or doing awful things to women. It's specific right. groups, specific, you know what I mean? You, you can't. Like, especially government legislation, you can't say an entire religion is considered an enemy when you don't like, how can you do something? That's awful. Well, so worth mentioning here really quickly is that um, there are multiple Muslim states and they do exactly that. They outlaw other religions in their country. So in terms of, I mean, like it's like to the point where they can murder people for for heresy and things like that. Well, execute. Right. And that's uh, and that's also Thank right. You. And that's also terrible. Like it's that it's just saying like it's terrible in both places. Right. Mm-hmm. And Andy, Andy, can I say real quick? I apologize for saying your argument was stupid. I wasn't actually directing it towards you. Um, the why I was saying it was stupid is because that's the argument that conservatives made after uh, Trump started talking about the Muslim ban. Oh, it's it's not a racist thing because it's toward a uh, religion. But when the like largest religion in the world is practiced by people of a certain skin tone, there is racism involved in that. I mean, I agree. I think I, agree with that. I think it's fair to say that there's a whole lot of overlap. But I think it. But it's, I would not say it's it's fair to equate the religion of Islam to a race. Um, they're not the same thing, and so. You know, I guess what I'm all I'm saying is, even though it may be accurate that they're separate, it doesn't really make hating one for for no good reason any better. Uh, what do I want to say? Let me five second that. Uh, ten. Okay. Well, we have five seconds until the end of the segment, so. <laughs> okay. So and that's and time. Yeah. All right. And that's going to be the other interesting thing about this episode is generally I edit stuff and I'll still do this to a certain extent. So like, if you're listening to this episode later. And you find out like, hey, that seven minute segment was only six minutes and 30 seconds long. It's because we say some stupid shit from time to time Mm -hmm. or we like say ums and uhs and things like that. And I edit those out for your hearing pleasure. So if we if we take stuff out, we're not going to extend the seven minutes. But a seven minute part of the uh, podcast may not actually be seven minutes at the end. Does that make sense, everybody? For those following at home, you might find some discrepancies. Awesome. Well, Pat, well, our, our next topic, the the short title of it is uh, Where Do My Rights End and Yours Begin? And I'm going to run the timer now. Um, so I was thinking about this. Um, I have a couple of examples, but the specific example I was thinking about, we had a uh, homophobic cake seller and uh, they were selling cakes and a gay couple uh, came to this bakery and said, you know, we want a cake. Uh, for our wedding, which uh, is for two men, and the cake seller refused, and it became, you know, this whole legal case. But I, I'm just wondering, like, what are some other examples, and where where does it stop that I have rights, but I, I'm not infringing on other people's rights, and and what your guys' thoughts are on that? Love it. Uh, right. I mean. I, we, you and I have talked about this. We talked about it at the time, Pat. I remember. Mm-hmm. 
and I think we're kind of on the same page. I, I, I would, my, I believe, I, I think that the cake seller has the right to refuse doing business with anyone they want for whatever reason. It's their business, and they can kind of decide that. But it also makes them scumbags. Right, and and <laughs> like that being publicly known, and like, they should go out of business all, because no one should go there. Going to that bakery, right? But, you know, but legally, they're allowed to be scumbags. Sure. Right. I mean, that's a right. Right. I think these guys specifically, these uh, these bakers. What I would like is I would like them to be able to continue whatever terrible business practices they have, and then I would like the public to never shop there again. And for them to go out of business and die destitute in the streets. But like, what about <laughs> nice. what about an example about anti-vaccine where you your decision, your dumb, dumb decision that you've decided to make affects my health and the health of my family? Or right. What about do, um, things do like we have a do we have a right to pin those those people down and say, all right, we're going to inject forcibly into your body that you don't consent to like that's murky as well like don't those people have rights to say no freedom of speech or freedom of behavior are you allowed to behave anyway or are you just allowed to say what you want to say because saying something is one thing but not doing what the norm is or not doing what the status quo feels like is appropriate is what really is in question not necessarily your right because right. behavior is not a right. Well, so I'm a. I love the uh, the the phrase. I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, but uh, your right to swing your fist ends at my nose. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. I like that. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. And welcome back to fact check. I was curious about this quote, and let me throw out a recommendation for quoteinvestigator.com. It's a website that attempts to find the earliest known iteration of any given quote. And this quote has been uttered in slightly different ways by many, many different people. I'll put a link in the doobladoo to the quote investigator page on the subject. But the earliest known communication of the phrase was in 1882 by John B. Finch. Here's the original quote from a speech Finch gave in Iowa City. This arm is my arm and my wife's. It is not yours. Up here I have a right to strike out with it as I please. I go over there with these gentlemen and I swing my arm and exercise the natural right which you have granted. I hit one man in the nose, another in the ear. As I go down the stairs on my head I cry out, Is this not a free country? Yes, sir. Have not I a right to swing my arm? Yes. But your right to swing your arm leaves off where my right not to have my nose struck begins. Here, civil government comes to prevent bloodshed, adjust rights, and settle disputes. And that's it. I thought it was kind of interesting. Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. So is the damage that people are causing with anti-vax, is that uh, infringing on other people's rights? If somebody dies as a result of that, are they responsible for you know, taking the actions of refusing vaccinations. I don't know that there's a hard answer to that, but I think it's a a valid question. If you not vaccinating your kid kills my kid, that was your decision, maybe. But also you get to go to jail now. But are there laws in place that people would go to jail for that? I'm not sure. Are there, is the question, (laughs) are there laws or is the question, should there be? Mother 
that has children who are completely vaccinated. And I do know people whose children are not vaccinated. Those children do not play with my children. Reason being, it's because for one, I have to vaccinate my children. I don't know if you guys know this, but in the United States, you are not even allowed to have custody of your children if you do not properly take them to the doctor and vaccinate them. I don't even understand how anti-vaxxers are even allowed to continue to have custody of their children. I've seen people lose their children because they found out that their shots weren't even on time, let alone not having them at all. Wow. We should try and... We should try and pull up that law. I'll throw in a fact check right here um, where, yeah. uh, where I dis- ex- describe that law. Mini fact check. This is a pretty short one because it just depends. There's currently no federal law requiring you to vaccinate your children. However, there are ways that you could potentially lose custody of your children for this. Normally, it's due to divorces. For example, there was a case where a couple was getting divorced. The husband wanted to vaccinate the children. The mother did not. The court issued an order requiring the mother to have the children vaccinated. She refused. And because of that, she went to jail for a short time. The children were subsequently vaccinated, so that was a good thing. Also, if children aren't vaccinated and it causes medical problems, that can result in legal action. But the bottom line is it varies wildly based on the state that you're living in and your situation. There's no blanket law that says you have to do this, this, and this across the country or that you'll lose your children because you did not vaccinate. Mini fact check. Well, they can't do any activities with other children. Like, you can't even sign your children up for things without shot records. Period. That might... That might vary from state to state. I don't know, because, I mean, there are clearly nope. examples of people nope. doing that. So children I wonder what kind of legal area they're operating in. Everywhere. Oh. Children private services are, and, and the anti-vaxxers, if you notice, they are getting their doors beaten down by CPS, but they're using the fact that CPS is not a legal entity to refuse them entry into the home and access to their children. Two-minute warning, by the way. <laughs> well, what if we... What if we switch real quick well, before the end I have, to oh, something? Go ahead. All right. Sorry, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is um, because there's a lot of heat around anti-vaccine, what if we just talk about smoking? Like we're not allowed to smoke in restaurants anymore because right. that is an action that affects other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or how and, about this one? How about this? Who bears the responsibility when a legally purchased firearm is used to massacre a church or a school or something like that so so there's only a one minute left i had a quick hypothetical that i we might have time to answer we might not but let's say that like you're the last doctor that is on earth and there are people that need your help do you have a legal right to refuse anybody's service or do you owe your labor to the people who are left Legal right? Yes, you can say no all you want to, but you took a Hippocratic oath to save others. Right, but you're you're the very last one. I mean, if you if you don't uh, help somebody, they're they're definitely going to die. I mean, yeah, I feel like, uh, like first, your first thought process should be to teach someone else the knowledge that you know. So if something happens to you, you're not the last person. But essentially, if you're all that's left, yeah, you should help. In my opinion. Do, do, those, do those people have a right to your service? Well, and ethically, you're a murderer. 
maybe not legally, but ethically, you're a murderer if you do that. Right. Ethically, you if you refuse to help someone, like that's that's against what you stood for when you chose to be a physician. Well, we got eight seconds left, so but Baba Booey. Yeah. <laughs> and time. Okay, who's next? Angela? So that rolls into me, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's on you. Okay, awesome. So I'm going to lighten the mood because you guys are so dreary. Yep. And <laughs> we're going to talk about your favorite underrated Netflix TV show. I don't want to hear Orange is the New Black, Narco. I want something deep down. Okay, okay. I can get behind this. Cool. Hmm. All right. I'm probably going to have to think of it for a second. Angela, can you start us off? Like, what are you, what were you thinking? Okay, cool. Um, The Last Kingdom. It is a show about the Viking era. Um, okay. It follows the protagonist, which is Uhtred Ragnarsson. And he kind of is just whooping ass all over the place. Um. It's got a really great storyline. It's really addictive. That's why I hate that it's on Netflix because, you know, they drop the whole series and then you're like, oh, my God. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really great. If you really like stuff like Game of Thrones and things like that, but you think Game of Thrones is a little cheesy, Last Kingdom is for you. Nice. It, it, oh, Game of Thrones is cheesy to me. I couldn't take it. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely the last season. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, what, where is this going? But The Last Kingdom, it definitely is very historically accurate with the story of the Vikings, um, the way they conquered Northumbria and all of that. It, it's really good. Nice. So, yeah, I think so, actually it's not quite Vikings, though, is it? Isn't it the Anglos, a- Angles and Saxons and, and whatnot? And Vikings and whatnot. Which yeah, is like all- other northern Germanic tribes, but but yeah. Like, it is super historically accurate. I've seen that one. Yeah. I loved it. It was amazing. I couldn't stop watching it. So good. Awesome. All right, thanks. There, this is, it's, not, it's not a scripted drama, but there's... Uh, so if I just need to, like, lighten my mood sometimes, there's one, and I can't tell you the name of the magician because I totally don't know, but there's a show called Magic for Humans. And it's a magician going around doing like street magic and he's amazing at it, but also is just very funny. Um, and I really, really, really enjoy that. I'm going to check that out. Like, like Carbonaro. I love Carbonaro. That's a good one. I haven't seen yours. Uh, the one that you watched. Yeah. I specifically picked it because, I haven't heard of anybody else who's seen it, and it's absolutely worth watching, especially if you're just trying to, like, <laughs> like calm things down. Uh, there's another one, a uh, very different thing called Explained, where it's just a different great documentary. They do several documentaries about an hour long every season, and every one, it breaks down a different issue about meat consumption or alternative energy or love or sleep or things like that whatever and they will go ahead and they'll they'll delve into it and they'll explain it in ways that makes it really easy to understand if you don't have any background in this stuff oh that's cool explained is the name of that one 
So on that sort of same thread, um, my underrated Netflix would be um, there's a documentary called Rotten, and there's a few episodes of it, and it talks about sort of like where food comes from. Um, it talks about like uh, water in California sustaining like the avocados and uh, pomegranates that are grown there, and um, right. like sort of the the legal um, ramifications of uh, how people get their water. And there have been some cases where companies have had access to water when the municipal supply of water to people has been cut off. They also talk about like wine making in France and just hmm. it's it's generally about food and like the supply chains where our food comes from. I just found it to be really fascinating. And you don't always necessarily know like um, they they have all this stuff on uh, bananas um, like the way that bananas are a monoculture, it's all one uh, genetic family of bananas, and that's where all of our bananas come from. But uh, that makes them very vulnerable to pathogens like fungus. So um, in the next uh, like few decades, we might actually see the type of banana that we are used to go completely extinct. And if I can, wow. if I can say something really quick. Has anybody here ever had, like, artificial banana yeah, flavored I, candy? I was going to say this, too. Yeah, exactly. So the you'll notice that the banana-flavored candy we have now doesn't taste anything like the bananas we eat. And it's right. because this already happened. The type of bananas that people ate before were wiped out. Mini Fat Check. bananas we have no bananas today the Graz Michelle or Big Mike banana was the main variety of banana grown and shipped around the world until the 1950s in the early part of the 20th century Big Mike bananas were hit with the Panama disease a wilting disease caused by the fungus Fusarium oxysporum you have to give me some credit for pronouncing that correctly we all now eat the Cavendish banana, but artificial banana flavor is still almost exclusively based on the Gras Michel variety. In spite of what growers thought in the late 50s and early 60s, the Cavendish banana is just as susceptible to fungal infections like the Panama disease as the Big Mike was, so don't get too attached. Yes, we have no bananas. Louis Prima was singing the version that I just played for you. A novelty song about a grocer from the 1920 Broadway review, Make It Snappy, is said to have been inspired by a shortage of Gros Michel bananas, which began with the infestation of the Panama disease. And that's it. Mini fact check. By a fungus at one point, completely. And they never changed the artificial flavoring on banana flavor when they switched the type of bananas we eat. So not only is this a possibility, it's happened. Right. We're one minute warning, uh, by the way. So uh, if I can jump in, I guess, really quickly, I, I'm, I'll pick a show called The Magicians, which is based on a series no. of books, but I haven't read the books. But the show is a lot of fun. It's very it, – it's a drama, but it doesn't take itself that seriously. And it's, it's just a, a real trip. 
a heck of a heck of a show. I really enjoy it. Awesome. Recommend it. Ooh, nice. My my last one. It just came out a couple of days ago. It's called One Hundred Humans. They have a hundred people and they do different scientific experiments. Kind of, sort of. It's not really scientific at all, but <laughs> they do different experiments on them, and it's amazing. And again, a nice light show to watch. Nice. Awesome. Well, we got ten seconds to kill, so. Five, oh, one five, more. Lock me in and make you feel five, like a kid again. Four, three, two. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Time. New Year. Mm, nice. Wait, just just to clear it up, because I couldn't hear it. What was the show uh, that you said would make you feel like a kid again? Lock and key. Lock and key. Okay. Oh. Cool. Well, I like, think that uh. Really into, like Harry Potter and stuff. You can't. It's... You can't talk about it anymore. Segment's over. Oh, no. <laughs> You're all hey. done. Okay, guys. Um, I guess that uh, means it's my turn. And uh, we will be talking about settling for Joe Biden. Um, I feel like uh, as much as I would love uh, Bernie to get the nomination, I do not see it as a possibility moving forward. And I think we all need to get behind uh, Joe Biden. And it is not easy for me and it's going to be damn near impossible for some people. So I don't know where you lean politically, Angela. Oh, <laughs> is that a, is that a, is that a fair question? How, how do you, uh, are how you do participating? I are you participating in any of the primaries or anything? I am a conservative, liberal Christian agnostic. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> But uh, so so you would be interested in who becomes the Democratic uh, can- candidate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm I don't vote by party. I vote by ideology. Sure. That's cool. So it, um, it, it really kind of I don't I don't want to make any assumptions, but generally on this podcast, uh, we are not in a uh, big Trump fans. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you have your MAGA hat on or whatever, but no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. No, so sir. So you're not wearing your MAGA hat? Uh, no, I would. I, I choose not <laughs> to talk about Donald Trump because I don't like to be ugly. <laughs> and, uh, well, OK, yeah. so but the, the reason I'm bringing it up is uh, because there is a, a never Biden movement out there that uh, people who have just decided Hey, no matter what, I'm not voting for this guy. And for me, the way the way I feel about this election is either you're voting against Trump or what he does is on your shoulders, because maybe the last election you didn't know what he was going to do. But we all know now, you know how he is, you know what he does, you know, he's broken the law and gotten away with it. So he has carte blanche to do whatever he wants moving forward. So. If you can explain to me why Joe Biden will be worse for the country than Donald Trump would be, I'm happy to have that conversation with you. But either you're voting against Donald Trump in this election or you're voting for him. And so voting against him means I voting can, for the Democratic candidate. If I can just quote Star Wars real quick, only Sith deal in absolutes, Nathan. Oh, that sounds like an absolute to me there, Patrick. Well, it's it's like, you know, if you're not with us, you're against us. I, I think that there are uh, gray areas. I think that you can be not with us or against us. So how is how is Biden better than Trump? 
I didn't say uh, that at all. Versus, well, no, but that's that's the argument. You need to be able to make an argument as to how Biden is worse than Trump. Or you got to vote against Trump or you got to support Trump. I, I want to talk options. about I want to talk about the failure of Bernie to appeal to a wider uh, range of Democrats. Boom. Boom shakalaka. So I Pat think preach. I have I have my own sort of conspiracy theory. I think what happened just before Super Tuesday was well Andrew Yang went on and That's did an interview. <laughs> yeah, we love, we're Yang Gang we love, too. We're Yang Gang. Yang Gang. But real quick oh, because yeah. we're short on time. Uh Yang went on Fox and said that he endorsed Biden because Biden said that he could have a place in his cabinet, which is actually illegal, but I'm 100% sure that Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and my guess is that um, Tom Steyer dropped out just because he's Tom Steyer and he didn't have a chance. Um, but if you want to, if you, if I want to take my guess, my conspiracy theory of what happened before Super Tuesday was on that Sunday when people started dropping out, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg both got a call from Barack Obama. I'm guessing I will tell you, I bet anything that Barack Obama was in the bag for his boy and was calling people. And I don't know, like, I'm not even necessarily saying that's a bad thing. You know, Barack Obama gets to have an opinion and he gets to go ahead and shift things. But I think that's what happened. They dropped out because before Super Tuesday, Biden didn't have a chance at anything. Doesn't that seem like a little corrupt, though? Like, I'm going to say, you know, if you drop out of this election, I'll give you a cabinet position. I mean, well, I, it's illegal. It's literally it's illegal. completely illegal. Uh, well, what are we doing about it then? I mean, like, if you're sitting there saying it's illegal, like, who's who's bringing a suit against the government about this? But like, I mean, exactly. But see, that's the problem is that. It, it, it's it's my biggest issue with Trump about how he was, quote unquote, going against Joe Biden and saying Russia was going to help him win the election and blah, 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 blah. All of these politicians are corrupt in this way. It doesn't matter what party you're looking at. They all do this. They are all corrupt. They all pay each other. They all make favors to do different things. They all have their leanings towards different things. And I, it, it it's all awful. Like at the end of the day, we can talk about this till we're blue in our face. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is whatever favors they have is where this is going to go. It doesn't matter how we feel right. about it. This is I, this is known as the spoils system and was put in place by the original Democrat, Andrew Jackson. And I, I think it's definitely worth getting into on a deeper level. Right. Um, but but the but this has been a fixture in American politics for most of the time. One for, minute warning, yeah. by the way, um, where the it's sort of win, the winner of the presidential election gets to appoint his cabinet and whatever was said behind closed doors was said. There's no way to know. And OK, let me let me get in two things real quick. Uh, it's 18 U.S. Code 599. If you want to look it up, promise of appointment by candidate. And secondly, I think. Uh, because a lot of my Democratic friends have made this argument that Bernie was an independent for the longest time. And Biden has been in the Democratic Party for decades and has built up favors and people know him and like him. And I think it's OK to weaponize that, like your connections with people, even though I hate the way it. The world Bernie's works. still an independent. We got, we got 10 seconds. So that was what I was going to say. You watch my back, I watch yours. And that's time. I Ooh. just noticed that the Skype 
closed captioning, whatever, uh, bleeps out swear words. Nice. What did it uh, say when? What does it say when I say Baba Booey? It says Baba Booey. Nice. But, but check out what it says when I say. Fuck. It says asterisk 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 asterisk. Yes, what if I does. just say asterisk 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 asterisk? It it spells out asterisk four times. Nice. Go Google. Okay, so we're back to the top of the order, I think. Yeah. Um. All right, my second topic for today is Harvey Weinstein. Let's go. Uh, now, you you can't talk about the thing so, that just happened where he contracted a certain thing that we're not talking well, about. Well, he was put in isolation for some sort of a disease, re- yeah, yesterday. But that's not super relevant. I think we can all just kind of say, yeah, I hope he dies from it, right? <laughs> wow. But, okay. No? I shouldn't necessarily hope people die just from, I mean, even a murderer and he's not quite a murderer, even if he ruined lives. Yeah. Arguably worse. It's well in time. That's so sad. Moving on. Yeah. Monster. What I told, what I told Sarah is I don't hope he dies, but I'm also not going to be sad if he does. Right. But also, I mean, so he got sentenced to 23 years in prison from the New York cases. Uh, sexual assault and rape. He still has an LA trial to happen. Um, That's that's life. He has, that's a life term, like no mm -hmm. matter what happens here on out. So, I mean, uh, is anybody going to jump to his defense? No, no. Good. (laughs) No, but But, I I, I want to talk about, I want to talk about movement in general, uh, like uh, abuse of power. Oh, I think Angela was talking to you. I'm sorry, Angela, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I don't even think he has it, to be honest with you. He's rich enough to pay enough people to say that he does, because when you're of a certain age and you have a disease that is fatal or has the possibility of being fatal, they don't house you in prison or in any type of prison setting. They send you home and put you on house arrest. That's that is a conspiracy theory, but I think one that uh, I could easily believe. Yeah, that's a little so bit up. Bail. He didn't have to do shit. He could just go home. Hello? Well, I think I think in in his case, you really have to throw a lot of uh, sentencing at him because um, you know, with a lot of power, with a lot of influence, there's a risk of uh, somebody like you know being able to get off early on parole or having you know friends in the right places. Um, it's it's super necessary to throw even like more than a life sentence at somebody, you know, uh, because a lot of those sentences can get reduced for various reasons. He's going to turn 80 and he's going to get liver disease and they're going to send him home anyway because mm-hmm. the prison system is so over encumbered that they can't hold people. And since he's rich and he's like, that's just how prison works. Mm-hmm. Like anyone who really knows the system, he's not going to spend that much time in prison. Well, meanwhile, we we have people that have like unsanitary conditions in their private That's- prisons, where you've got rats and roaches in mm-hmm. the prison cell. You've got like not adequate food. You've got um, not good medical treatment, and they're and, any and, medical treatment at all. And look, and and I'm sure Nathan's going to vehemently disagree with me on this, but I don't necessarily have a problem with. Um, 
pe- with private prisons and people making money from running a prison in and of itself. What I have a problem yeah, with I is do. what, yeah, but, but hold on. The problem, in my but, opinion, is th- what the incentives are. You can have better incentives. You can have incentives about re- rehabilitation and, and, and reintegration and, you know, how you're, the prisoners who leave your prison, how well they do in society. Those, that's the kind of thing that you should be basing those incentives off of. And if that were the case, I don't think we would really have a problem. I would, I certainly really wouldn't have a problem with the private prisons if they, if those incentives were set up properly. Well, I, I agree with you, but I don't think that it's very easy to separate those two things. I think that with a private prison system, you're going to inevitably have incentives to fill beds. Like I, I, I don't think Why? That that's an easily separated problem because that's because, because that's the way the government is setting it up. Right. And private prisons have specifically told counties before you need to give us 300 more inmates by this date or we are going to close this prison. It's and a, it goes a, all the way down to the judges who convict people for no reason and give right. people 15 years in prison for an ounce of weed. Understand, uh, I, I, I understood, but I'm saying that's the, that that's what you can get rid of by having p- proper incentives. No, I don't. I don't. So what I will say is it's an inherently terrible system to make it private. I would agree with you in that I think you could make it significantly better than it is now, because I think what we have is the worst possible version of this bad thing. I think you'd have a better version of this bad thing, but that's not what we need. This is like when we talked about how Trump had made pricing more obvious for health care. If you went to a hospital, they have to tell you what you're going to pay. It's fine. It's a good step. Uh, it's a good step down the wrong road, though. It's I, like making the, the bad thing a little bit better instead of going towards a good thing. Why? So I, I think just practically, I think it is not realistic to think that we'll just change the incentives Overnight, I think as a practical matter, that tearing down the private pr- prison system and replacing it with something that is, uh, you know, not funded in the same way is going to be an easier thing to do than to try to change those incentive structures. Right. And I, I'm not saying minute, anything about maybe. overnight. I think privatizing something uh, means that the goal is not doing the right thing. We see this with the healthcare system. Privatizing something is not the way to get the best product. It's the way to make the most money off of this thing. And since people don't have the option to not go to prison if they're indicted, they don't have the option to go to a different private system. Like they can't choose what prison they're going to go to. It doesn't make any sense to make it private. So, on one hand, you're talking a lot about other things like criminal justice reform, which is, I think, yeah, they go hand in hand and they, we need to talk about both. But with a private prison, you actually can drive that recidivism down. I'm sorry, Andy, that's time. Down. I'm, that might be something we want to talk about. What do you guys think? Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. I'd do, love do to talk about like, private prisons. you want like an extra two-minute lightning round? No, no deal. No. Dude, it's seven minutes and done. No, seven minutes and done. That's it's it. your turn, Pat. Seven minutes and oh, done. Oh, is it? Okay. All right. Let me let's see here. I have a little text file. Okay, so the next topic is gonna be 
whistleblowers. Um, so we have this whistleblower from the impeachment trial. We have um, Edward Snowden, who's currently in exile in Russia. Um, I love him. We have Julian Assange, who's in Britain um, being held, it seems, indefinitely, um, waiting on extradition um, hearings. And that's, also... That's definitely um, not how you say it. How do you say it? Extradition. Extradition. Yeah. Hearings. Um, and we have uh, Chelsea Manning. Um, I should have looked before we started, but uh, Chelsea Manning, I believe, might still be in prison over her complicit acts with Julian Assange to, uh, quote unquote, hack um, government private computer systems. Mini fact check. In 2010, Chelsea Manning leaked hundreds of thousands of documents to WikiLeaks and spent from 2010 to 2016 in custody until she was pardoned by President Obama. She was then taken into custody last May because she refused to testify in front of a grand jury. As of about two weeks ago, Chelsea Manning was released from prison after a judge said, quote, the court finds Miss Manning's appearance before the grand jury is no longer needed, in light of which her detention no longer serves any coercive purpose. The sad part about this is the reason the court seemingly looked at her case once again was because she had attempted suicide while she was being held in an Alexandria adult detention center. She is currently safe, as far as I can tell, and no longer in custody. Fact check. So um, my my question is like, do we have a responsibility to protect whistleblowers, and is what we're doing right now enough to protect whistleblowers? Yes, and absolutely so, not. That's a good answer. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that, or? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, to think about first of all, to be a whistleblower, you already have to be in a position to where your life is in essence in jeopardy already because nine times out of 10, you figured out whatever you figured out through your job, your livelihood or something of that nature. And I mean, whistleblowers have been sent to prison. They have been tortured. They have been found in random crazy accidents. And it's like a movie almost now. Right. I mean, I think I think we have real problems that are being unveiled now that clearly we're not doing a, a great enough job protecting people. Yeah. And I also feel like also <clears throat> as a people, we also have a like a cell of people who for some reason in their mind feel like the whistleblowers are wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, and that and that kind of just really confuses me. I mean, you kind of could probably hear it in my voice, but it's like you'll see on the Internet, they'll be like, oh, but why would you betray your country and do this? Or why would you? And it's kind of like as a citizen, wouldn't you want to know the truth? Right. The truth yeah. over like the truth trumps any country or any well, any other association for me. Yeah. These people for me are heroes. These, these are Absolutely. heroes who are doing yeah. something difficult. If you are whistleblowing, that means that something is 
unethically or illegally happening. At that point, don't you want those people to whistleblow? Like, if you're the person breaking the law, say, let's say, for example, you're in a roundish room, not not a circle, maybe like a, a like an oval, for example, and you do a bunch of legal stuff, and then people go to newspapers and say, hey, this person in this roundish room is doing a bunch of illegal stuff. If you if you worked in that roundish room, you probably wouldn't like it. In fact, you might want to know who those people were so that you could maybe try and bribe them or otherwise influence them to stop saying the things that they're saying. Or just make them look bad in the press to try and that too. make it seem like they're not trustworthy. Well, mm-hmm. to take to take devil's advocate point of view for just a second here. So you've got a foreign national in Julian Assange, he's an Australian citizen. I think he was like maybe an Australian or Swedish citizen or British citizen. Uh, This foreign citizen who has uh, convinced a army private to hack into U.S. um, you know private files and disclose those files to the public. Doesn't that? betray the secrecy of top secret files like why even have top secret files you know would you not consider that army private a traitor no well i would he would definitely be insubordinate uh, i think just by definition but but ultimately i think any true patriot anyone who really loves their country would like it to be operating based on the truth um yeah, there's always stuff that like the government and the army and stuff, you feel like there's an argument to be had for why they might want to hide certain information from the public. It might create pandemonium and other things. But ultimately, I feel like the truth is generally better, even if it's sometimes worse. Well, so yeah, does that I... same thing apply to like Russia hacking? What do you mean? Would you rather have the truth come out from... Uh, like DNC emails coming out. Uh, yeah. would, you, would you make an exception to that or would you still say, you know, you believe that the truth is more important? I think the truth, no matter how hard to take or painful or n- uh, bad it may be, it may look, is better than any falsehood. Right. So we got just and about a minute left. It was inconvenient for Democrats to have those emails come out. But ultimately... There wasn't really much there. There wasn't anything illegal there as much as Republicans tried to, like, climb onto the Hillary bandwagon about, like, she did this or that or the other thing. There wasn't anything there that proved that any any wrongdoing had been done. But the thing is, let's say there had been, I would have been all for send her to jail or send whoever to jail. What it was more than anything was embarrassing. They shouldn't have hacked, and the people who hacked the DNC should go to jail. But once it's out there, it's out there. And well, I, I mean, Russia, Russia doesn't all. really extradite for this. Well, that's time. So. Probably. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay, I believe that is back to Angela then. Is it? <clears throat> okay. Well, I'm going to get off of politics. Let's talk about SpaceX. Let's talk about Elon Musk. Um, have you guys been following his adventures and his experiments. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but he has been launching to Mars over the past six months. And his space station has already begun 
like construction and whatnot. So I'm a big fan. Like uh, I've been following some of the like send a uh, Tesla car into orbit around Mars. Um, I haven't followed the more recent stuff, but uh, I think generally, like I'm I'm just a big fan of this move to like we're gonna step one get everybody off of gasoline and onto electric cars. Step two, we're yeah. going to uh, terraform and start moving colonies to Mars. Like I think he's got a great vision. Yeah. Every company that he's a part of is to help get people off the grid, not on Earth, but on Mars. So yeah. uh, there's there's the Starlink stuff that is, I think, what you're talking about, Angela, where they're launching uh, dozens of tiny – it'll end up being five or 600 uh, tiny satellites into orbit. And what it's going to do is going to create a global Wi-Fi that you can connect to anywhere on the planet at any time. Oh, yeah, that's what he's doing here. He's yeah. actually launched, um, he's got a whole other space program where they're actually launching like the materials and stuff. And if they make it, they're sending people to construct the first building on Mars. Yep. And uh, so let me just go over the different things that he's involved in real quick. So uh, solar power, he's created uh, solar panels that look exactly like roof tiles. So you can have a house that looks like a normal house and get solar power at the same time. Uh, there's the Tesla cars that drive themselves that run on electricity. Uh, there are giant batteries that you put on your wall in your home. So that way, if all the power goes down or you just want to be off the grid, your solar power can charge your batteries. And then for some reason, it cuts out at some point. Your house will just switch over to battery power. The other thing about that is in Australia, they had brownouts all the time, blackouts, brownouts all the time. He built a giant battery factory in Australia. And basically what happens is he's taken the, these brownouts from being hours at a time to being like a few seconds before they have power back because it, the whole grid is able to switch over to this, these batteries. He's involved in the Hyperloop, which is going to be coming to Cleveland, hopefully in about a decade, which uh, is an underground track that will run a magnetically powered, basically, subway car at about 700 miles an hour, all, again, on solar power. What am I, what am I missing here, guys? SpaceX, getting into space well, so way so cheaper I, than we normally do. I um, mean, he's got neurotech. He's got, like, computer little, like... He built, he, <laughs> he built the flamethrowers. Trying to get going to your brain. And uh, he has switched all test factories right now uh, they're now creating respirators. I can't think of why. I, I I don't know why we need respirators right now, but they are creating respirators. He's passing them out apparently for free for that one illness. Well, I don't know what you're referring to. Um, so I apologize. I wasn't doing a good job of timekeeping. I'm giving us four minutes from now. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think I spoke. I think I talked about Elon Musk there for about seven minutes all on my own. Um, but I do want to point out the um, the test run that they did of the Hyperloop. They did a short segment in, I think it was L.A., and it was not a great success. Um, they sort of ran out of money and time to do it. So, so instead of doing like a vacuum chamber with a uh, rail and a maglev 
train. They basically just put in normal rails that held your car, and then they put people in Teslas, and they went about, I think, like 15 miles an hour through this tunnel so not a a resounding success i think maybe they found out that it was more expensive than they thought to set up these hyperloops and i think what that shows is that company because it's not elon musk's companies that are doing this he came up with the idea and basically put it out to a bunch of different companies here figure out how to do a hyperloop and i think what that shows is that company did not do that well well, it's also right. an incredibly difficult thing to maintain a vacuum over miles and miles of track. Like, that is not such an easy thing to do, and it it takes a lot of I mean, expensive pumps. I'm kind of okay with that not going so well, because I feel like right now we are not in a place where we need to be trying to turn into Minority Report. Like, it's we're okay. And we have some other issues, and I feel like those brains could definitely be used in more useful places. Hmm. Just no, I I think getting rid of the uh, carbon emissions that come along with uh, plane travel is good. Like making it easier for people to move from city to city inexpensively is good. I think again we've we've kind of talked about this before, but. The Hyperloop technology, I don't need to understand how it works or why it will want to know that it does. And it would be huge for Cleveland because you could commute to Chicago from Cleveland. You could live here and work there or Pittsburgh for that matter. Well, part part of his pitch is that it's so cheap and that when it's up and running, it'll cost like a penny for each person to ride. I the, my only thing is I I think he's maybe being a little unrealistic uh, about the cost, <laughs> but I agree that I think yeah. there there are other things that we could be focusing on that are maybe more important. Yeah, yeah. but that's not the way. I mean, that's a good thing to say, but that's not the way that people work. Like it's like when my mom used to tell me like, you stop watching The Simpsons and did your homework, you'd get better grades. Like, but I I don't I don't want to do my homework. I want to watch The Simpsons. <laughs> like. So if somebody wants to work on the Hyperloop, yeah, like maybe they could like find a better way for like farmers to like grow their crops more efficiently, but that's not what they're into. So if I can jump in, um, the I, I do like Elon. I, he gets a lot of crap. I think he does. He works really, 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 really hard. He kind of expects his employees to work that hard, and that's I think the source of a lot of his negative rep, but. I really like what he does. I love that he is always trying to come up with new things, solve problems, improve our life in so many ways. The one thing I wish he would, he has some carbon cleaning technology that can scrub the carbon out of the, some of the greenhouse gas stuff and help fix the, the carbon emissions problem. He could actually like, he has the technology, but it's super expensive and I wish that he would just aggressively work, try to work with Congress to get the funding to to put that into action and start fixing some of the global warming problems that we're having. Well, so I'm I'm going to cut you off there. That's over the yeah. amount of time that I said, but I'm sorry I didn't do a good job of uh, timekeeping this this time around. I'll try to do better. All good. It's okay. Okay, I think we want to lighten it up a little bit and. What I'd like to talk about is, for the second time ever, a man from London 
has become cured of HIV. His name is Adam Castillejo, and uh, he's been free of the virus for more than 30 months after wow. stopping his antiretroviral therapy. This is the second guy they've done this for, and ladies and gentlemen, we've cured AIDS. If, if For anybody who was alive during the 80s or the early 90s, right? <laughs> what? what? We cured well, AIDS. It's still a big deal um, in the world. There's there's still a lot of AIDS going on. So I mean, the real question is for, is how for sure. how much and how long it will take to manufacture that cure for the infected population. Absolutely, I'm not I'm not saying like my it, I think it's a inherently positive thing. I'm not saying. That there aren't issues with On a it still, note, for sure. You guys will be able to get rid of the rubbers. <laughs> they can just kill yeah, with a pit. There you go. All you're worried about is the clap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, so I, I think there are, are a lot of practical things that we have to consider of getting a cure to a lot of people around the world in like third world country areas and stuff. Exactly. Uh, what's, what's the cost? You know, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? Is it practical to do this? Before Absolutely. you even get to any of that, but right? Is- there's a lot of testing. There's a lot of replication and dosage figuring out that needs to be done. So before you can even start to think about distributing it, there's still probably years worth of more research that needs to be done before it's safe to release. Because what I will say about the, well, here's the thing. HIV uh, virus, said- it mutates and there's a lot of different strains of it. And it one cure may not work for mm. the next patient or the next patient. Or so, even yeah, yeah, that's that's all true. But here's the thing. I came up with a a good feel good story and you guys have found a way to make it sad again. What are you doing? <laughs> there's, there's all kinds it's there's all hard. kinds of terrible stuff. It's still it's still AIDS, it's still awful, it's terrible in third world countries. There are all kinds of like bad things about AIDS. You're or the HIV virus in general, you're have I have no problem saying that. But it is an inherently good thing that these two people who had AIDS before do not have AIDS now. And maybe it doesn't mean that tomorrow or next year that's going to happen for everybody. But what it does mean is this is a huge step towards making sure that this disease becomes incredibly treatable in the future. I hope so, you're right. That, that is... I'm sorry, go ahead. Didn't they cure Magic Johnson? Yeah. Well, I think he's in is remission. He but I think he's like permanently right. living in remission. Back check, back check, back check. Here's Irving Magic Johnson, October 28th of last year, talking with Craig Melvin on the Today Show about living with AIDS for the last 28 years. Hard to believe it's been 28 years ago, roughly around this time, that, that you told the world that you were living with, with HIV. Mm-hmm. If someone had told you then, that not only would you be alive today, but you would be thriving in every sense of the word. Would you believe them? No, no. Uh, 28 years ago, one drug, ACT, 
it was a death sentence at that time. And here I am 28 years later. And like you're saying, having a great life and uh, I work out every day. Uh, I make sure that I'm eating the right uh, foods. So and also, too, my attitude and mindset really helped out as well. So what's the attitude um, and mindset? I think just having accepting your your new status and being comfortable with it. And I accepted that. And then I had to talk to my doctors and say, how can I be here a long time? And they told me, take my meds, be comfortable with your status, but also you got to work out. So I've been doing those things. And, and you've also demystified HIV and AIDS for a lot of folks. You know, back in the 90s when folks weren't talking about it, Magic really, I think for a lot of folks, you still have folks who come up to you on the street and say, right. hey, Magic, and they tell you their story. I would Exactly. Imagine. They were crying when I announced. But I got to give Elizabeth Glazier a lot of credit because she helped me. She's, she died a year later or two uh, of AIDS, but she was the one who made myself comfortable and my wife Cookie comfortable. Uh, and she just wanted me to be the face of, of the disease. And here I am, eight years later. Did. Back check, back check, back check. So what I want to say is, like, I'm, I'm just keeping it real, man. Like, I think that looking at it through rose-tinted glasses is not necessarily doing anyone any favors. I'm, I'm super happy that somebody got cured, and I think that that is phenomenal. I don't want to understate that. But I think right. when you look at reality, you should try to see it exactly how it is and not try to weave a story about how it's better than it is or worse than it is. I think you should try to just try to see things the way that they are. Yeah. And I all I'm saying is for this guy, the way it is, is great. I'm not That's saying phenomenal. again, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the AIDS epidemic or the people that is still impacting greatly right now. But this is this is a good thing. It's a good step along us treating this disease that we've been dealing with for 40 years now. It has a lot of very exciting potential. Yes. And that's that was my only thing. Yes, we can have a, a whole episode if you want on like how AIDS sucks and treating it is difficult. Let me just take a moment to say that we're talking about HIV AIDS. The human immunodeficiency virus It is a sexually transmitted disease. If you do not know that it is spread through sexual contact as well as needle sharing. Right. There you go. Be safe for all of you intravenous drug users. Yeah. So a word to any of our intravenous drug users, probably don't. Or at least don't share. Don't share needles. Yeah. And if you do. Get tested every six months. Just because you don't have symptoms does not mean you're not sick. Mm. The virus can lay dormant and for what years. What I'd say is, if you are, if you are in twenties now, if you're in your twenties now and you contract the disease, and you live to be in your seventies, maybe you'll get cured. But in the there meantime, just wear some condoms. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it great to be living in like the future and we're like curing diseases and we're talking about going to Mars and we're, we have little handheld devices that you would have seen on Star Trek like 30 years ago? Oh, yeah. Well, we actually just talked about uh, curing AIDS, the AIDS virus, well, the HIV virus and anti-vaxxers in the same episode. We got about 50 can seconds. I, I want to warn you guys. Let me, can I just say real quick? Anti-vaxxers have been super quiet since uh, a certain thing has happened. I can't talk about this. Damn it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we haven't heard much of them in the last couple of weeks. No, no, we haven't. Um, no, we have not. Um, but I'm, anyway, I'm super excited please. about where technology is going. Like, you know, when we can look at things on such a tiny level and we can like engineer nanomachines and we can like trigger immune responses and stuff. I'm, I'm very excited about where medical technology has gone and where it's going to go in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Absolutely. We're and that is 10 in. seconds. Uh, ba- ba- mm. <laughs> that's that's the problem with only having three seconds left. Well, that's time. So, yeah. Well, uh, I think it's time for us to move into our precious moments. Angela, you can talk about anything in the history of the world. We have to talk about something that's happened since the time that we recorded the last podcast. Uh, since you have not recorded the last podcast, you could talk about something when you were seven if you wanted, whatever. But the the idea is that it's it's something that makes you smile or something that made you laugh in the last week, something that made you like feel like just anything from your life that might have been special or important to you. Oh, wow. Okay. So you don't have to go first. If you want, we can go ahead and jump in well, and then give you a second thing. to think. Um, I can tell you, (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you mine is, uh, really silly, but Sarah and I were watching that hundred human show that I was talking about on Netflix. And, uh, my thing that made me laugh super hard this week and just made me feel good is human number 28. Um, I don't know if they always keep the same number, but it's this guy, um, they have uh, one episode where they're trying to talk about whether men or women are more succinct with the way they talk. Cause there's that there, there's that stereotype that women like can't stop talking. Are they like, they use more words than they need to. And so they're trying to do uh, a little experiment on like what happens. So they bring like individual men and women into a room and explain to someone who's never heard of it before what the game tic-tac-toe is played like. They can't use any paper. They can't do anything. And the people don't know that they're supposed to be succinct. All they're told, they're brought into the room and they're told to explain to this Brazilian guy who hasn't played tic-tac-toe what the, how the game is played. And so the, the men end up using uh, fewer words than the women in general. But human number 28, this guy, <laughs> they, he goes on forever in the middle of explaining it, writes a song about tic-tac-toe and sings it to the Brazilian guy. Like, <laughs> just goes on like, it's amazing. So uh, I highly suggest uh, go in. He's uh, appears in several different episodes and is always amazing. But I would suggest uh, watching the men versus women episode and checking him out because he's amazing. Tic-tac-toe, tic-tac-toe, love to play the game. Tic-tac-toe, there's nine squares you play, but X next to the O, the O next to the X. Call it tic-tac-toe. You'll have a lot of fun wherever you go. Playing this great game called tic-tac-toe. Human number 28. Cool. Uh, he's my he's my ride or die. My road dog. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I'll go next. Um, so... Here in uh, Cleveland Heights, where I live, they did a, they ran a little program yesterday evening where uh, you can pull through the library and they'd give you some produce. 
and it would be a no contact thing. So you just <laughs> drive in because the library is closed anyway. So you drive into the parking lot, you open your trunk, they put food in and you leave. So, but it's produce. I did that. It took about two hours because the line was wow. so long. It was rough. That, that was the reason why uh, we're, well, one of the reasons why we're recording this morning instead of last night. So it, the, the, the food items were apples, oranges, and potatoes, all of the things which we had already bought at the store <laughs> to have a supply because that's what we like. So we have so many potatoes, apples, and oranges. So, <laughs> so last night I took a bunch of these oranges and I squeezed them and I had a glass of fresh squeezed orange juice. And we made some of the best screwdrivers I've had ever with <laughs> nice. fresh ass orange juice and this sort of miracle surprise giant bottle of Grey Goose that we didn't know we had and found in the cabinet and got that was pretty exciting too. So Nathan, when you're editing, nice. can I get Andy just saying fresh ass? Can I get that <laughs> in a separate clip? What Absolutely. if you, what if I said wide open? Would that be better? <laughs> Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Give me that clip too. <laughs> anyway, so my fresh squeezed orange juice screwdrivers last night. That's my precious moment. Nice. Uh so I haven't had a super eventful week, but one of the things that I do enjoy is Minecraft. And this last week I was starting on a new server. And the people there were just really yeah. uh, generous and nice and accepting of me. And so I was very touched. A lot of people just wanted to give me gifts and stuff just for being new. So I just really appreciated that. And I thought that was a very nice thing for them to do. So it was nice to be welcomed into like a community, nice little community there. As a fellow gamer, I totally understand that. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, uh, I have a, uh, I have an Elytra for you that I got for you, by the way. What? That's crazy. <laughs> you just got so, it. So yeah, I, I ended up, uh, yeah, I went into the end and I got one for it. So uh, Pat ended up joining my Minecraft server, and uh, the, I think one of the reasons why it's such a different experience for you is you were telling me you're basically on like a like a person versus person anarchy server before where people would kill you and steal your stuff and things like that. And well, the yeah, server so I play on, it's just a bunch of people who... harsh survival world where like, uh, you know, if you see somebody, you're pretty much going to PVP them. Yeah. This is the opposite of that. It's just a bunch of people building pretty houses <laughs> and like trading stuff with each other and things like that. So. Well, cool. It's my turn, isn't it? Yeah, if you want it to be. Okay, so my precious moment was yesterday. So in my isolation, me and my husband, the other Andy, were <laughs> sitting here. And we were just talking about old shows. And we ended up watching, like, the full first season of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. And I haven't laughed like that probably since I originally watched the first season of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, it was almost like I had never watched it before, and it just really made me feel good inside. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that awesome. It's such a feel-good show, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And all the casting is so perfect, too. Like, 
the the perfect storm of like you know the the people that they got for it like you wouldn't get that same group of people if you made that again today no oh heck no no although it is it is totally worth watching you can find it a bunch of different places but they ended up replacing aunt viv uh, i think in the third season and the oh. reasons they did it are kind of messed up oh uh she she basically wanted more money she was more of a serious actress and she got annoyed all the time with Will Smith because he would like play around or he'd like mess up a take or something like that. And she was a serious actress. And uh, but she was great. And she was like this really strong black woman on a TV show that we hadn't seen very often before that. And when she was replaced, she like the new Aunt Viv was like pretty quiet and they didn't do episodes about her. It was kind of messed up. And it was kind of a big thing, like, in just the Black community that when they switched Aunt Viv, they didn't get a woman that really represented the original Aunt Viv. Right. They kind of got a completely different person. She was way fairer skinned. She had longer hair. She was just a totally different person. And it was kind of that whole, like, whitewashed brain set of mm. a week. She, she's prettier now that she's lighter skinned and it's better that way. Yeah. And it just like her personality totally changed too. I yes. Mean, she became more submissive. And it, was, it was totally different. It was totally different. So now I want like, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so now I wonder if the aunt Viv that I'm uh, like remembering was the first or the second one, but I think it's gotta be the first one based on the description you guys gave. Yeah, the, the one that I remember <laughs> from the TV show. And I would say you guys got to watch season two because I think that's really when it started like hitting its stride. I think Will Smith was still trying to figure out how to be an actor in season one, and everybody was still like trying to like tiptoeing around each other a little bit. Uh, season two, it gets so good. Season one was great, but season two is amazing. And that's cool. all I have to say about the Fresh Prince Bel Air. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Angela. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. The Andy has stuff he's got to go do. Yeah, work. <laughs> I have to work. So this hasn't come up yet, and I, I wasn't sure if it was going to or not. But I'm just going to go ahead and throw it in here at, at the very end. You know, during the, 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 the lockdown and everything with this certain something or other going around, I guess it's a little bit of a cough. I don't know. So we anyway. We have a stay-at-home order in Ohio for something. I don't stay know. Stay-at-home order for the thingamajiggy. And the car dealership I work for now has apparently decided that they're going to go ahead and exploit the little loophole, which is a very, very, like, they are threading a needle with this thing. Like, it's basically the idea that, like, hey, look, if your car breaks down and you need to buy a new one, they yeah. they they easily could it, it could just be rentals it should just be rentals but there's a small loophole where they say automotive sales and what they really mean is car parts right. for repairs yeah but and, but and it it's not clear like, enough and they're we're staying open the sales department yeah. is staying open for no good reason it's ridiculous you have got to be kidding me nope I mean my my guess is you're gonna have a super chill day of work. Because no one is buying a car. No. No one. So, Absolutely I mean, not. So it will it'll probably be like one of the easiest days you've ever like 
yeah. made money on. But I'll likely get sent home early. Well, and if somebody does show up to buy a car, they're going to have 14 salesmen that are all <laughs> there, like, yeah. comp- there's only like each other. There's only, like, four on at a time. Mm. They cut down to split shifts and stuff like that, so it's not like that. But, yeah, still, it, it, <laughs> it's stupid. It's clearly just sort of a money grab. We want to try to make any money we can during this time. And it's Don't inappropriate, and it's problematic. Test. It's a big problem. Well, anyway, the managers are not down with it. The managers are like, we should not be open. This is not a good idea. But they don't yeah. get to make that decision. So You should try and come up with a hazmat suit. Anybody, somebody walks in, try and buy a car. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Actually, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to be wearing masks and gloves and stuff just to like yeah. make people uncomfortable about it. I mean, honestly. You probably I don't have a mask. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, I, I should stop and get a mask on my way or something. I don't know if there are any. Anyway, ser- seriously, be you can't you you can't. There's no masks. You can't buy a, a mask for love or money. Right yeah, now. yeah. So I'm screwed. Um, well, be but, safe. But yep, be safe. Yeah, take care of yourself. And uh, I think this is a good episode. I think we this is our social distancing episode. If you notice a difference in sound quality, it's because we're all in separate locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy, Pat, and I always record in the same room. Angela has never recorded in the same room with us. Um, but we're all four of us are in separate locations. So I'm going to splice this together into something, some sort of Frankenstein episode later. Uh, and I'm sure it'll sound great. Uh, Frankenstein was the doctor. You mean Frankenstein's monster. No, what I'm you talking get out of about here already? is... What I'm talking about is <laughs> Frankenstein's... The good Dr. Frankenstein's work. When I say so you're gonna Frankenstein Franken- thing... Okay. I know full well who the monster You're going to do the, the Frankensteining to the episode. The episode will be the monster. I will be the Frankenstein. The episode will be the monster, yes. I have to say, I really need to come up with a catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Thank you guys for coming here and hoping to learn something. I hope we were able to help with that. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, bye. Before we move on to the next one, uh, can we take a quick bathroom break? Sure. <laughs> yeah. You, dude, you're on a laptop. Just take it in with you. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. Nah. You can, all right. Yeah. Let's, we, uh, we can cheer you on. And next time, Andy needs to pee before the episode starts. Right. Yeah, that is a pretty quick turnaround. Maybe he's pregnant. Fresh ass.